Welcome to another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Today, we have a special episode. We have two team members here with us today. Hi, I'm Josh. Hi, I'm Tanner. Awesome. So, Josh and Tanner, would you guys like to tell the audience a bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, we're both part of the Green Roof Team. Um, I, myself, uh, joined... Uh, last semester, I've been helping work on the turbine as well as the disaster turbine for um, our senior design project as well as the green roof team project. Mm -hmm. I also joined um, back in the fall, like Josh mentioned. A lot of my work has been on the disaster resilient wind turbine and also with the green roof team turbine as well up on the green roof of the College of Ag, Ag building. A lot of focus on the blades with both of those projects, uh, moving from material selection to now more of a focus on manufacturing the blades and really realizing the shape, making things come together, answering a lot of questions. So Sweet. I know we're having a lot of fun with both the trash and the ag building turbines. Mm -hmm. And if you guys want to know more about either Tanner or Josh, we do have a personal episode with both of them earlier on in our season. So kicking off today's episode, we're going to take a step back. And would you guys like to also pitch to the audience why they should listen to this episode and others? Yeah, uh, it's a great source for news and uh, the field of green energy and just uh, entrepreneurship in general. You know, I, in this in this modern age, it's there's a lot of opportunities for people to do things that have never been done before or improve on things that have, that have done, been done before. And I think this is a, a great feather in the cap of anyone that wants to hop on that train. Yeah, for sure. I know back in the fall, um, when I was speaking with you, Nelson, as we were doing uh, my first episode, I was thinking really um, big picture then. Now my focus um, focused on like people um, unlocking potential, you know, whether that's through energy independence, whether that is pursuing knowledge finding ways to like innovate and learn in their own ways. I was thinking kind of in those respects. And I think more recently I've been thinking a bit more on the small scale with those, with those interpersonal connections um, between our team in particular, but also just trying to find those connections between people like individuals and how we derive knowledge from that. So I think this podcast is an excellent way to really get a glimpse into someone else's perspective and learning from them as well. So that's why I would encourage you to listen in. And I couldn't agree more being able to work with the team, finding out what everyone's special skills are. And in the end, we'll have a final product up there, giving inspiration to others and just seeing what type of impact we're going to make. Mm -hmm. Sweet. So with this episode, I'd like to focus a bit more about you guys and how you work together and how you got to know one another. So how did you guys get to know one another? Yeah. It was definitely through the leadership development program um, back last year. Uh, we both joined that in the fall of 2020. Um, as we both, we both transferred here that yep. semester, right? Yep. Yeah. So we entered the program then at the start and we were, in it throughout throughout that whole year together so yep and uh 
for that in the entire time that we were working together and in, in as a team, uh, there were different activities, different projects that we did for that uh, that program, and that you know helped develop just teamwork like skills and different ways of you know uh, approaching problems, staying out of that analysis paralysis type type stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of important things when considering projects with with a team. You bring up um, like analysis paralysis, I think yeah. is um, a really good example. Um, and not just like analysis paralysis, but like procrastination, yeah. other other aspects that keep you from from hitting your goals and from achieving things. And a deadline is the most effective way to you know, brush all, all of that aside, you know, especially when you have deadlines that you are accountable, you know, for others to meet within the program as a whole, that, that becomes very effective to, you know, to get off your rear end and to start, start moving with something. Um, so like Josh mentioned with analysis paralysis, where you might be sitting and thinking, Oh, like, what's the best way to go about something. And we've, we've, I've certainly had that experience in the green roof team as well, you know, where it's like, I've got a million and one options for materials or manufacturing methods for these blades, but it's like, yeah, I, I can spend, I can spend forever trying to find the perfect solution to this, but if I spend forever, it's never going to get done. So it's better to take that first step, you know, um, and it's always that balance between preparation and and action, you know. And I think I think LDP was a really good example of that, where it's like yeah. I might have not had the best way to to run a project, or especially looking back, oh, I would have done this, this, this different, you know. But you wouldn't have learned any of that if you hadn't have, have done it in the first place, yeah, you know. Definitely. So a lot of those, a lot of those, um examples were worthwhile i also felt like you also got you also get the real character uh, of someone um when you're when you're doing challenging things with them whether it's with the ldp or whether it's um with green roof team um finding things you don't know the answer to learning them making mistakes and doing that alongside other people really lets you know them like beyond skin deep, you know, that's something that I, I for sure got an appreciation out of while I was in the LDP. And, and I feel like I know Josh better because of a lot of those, those stressors too. So. Was there a moment last year where you guys had one of those stressors, one of those moments and that's when you guys knew you guys are going to be friends. I'd say probably a big event was a big one. You know, um, we as a team, the entire LDP at the time, got together and helped out with a student-led, uh, semi-student-led uh, project across campus, which uh, divides up volunteers and puts them to use at different projects around Carbondale, uh, be it, you know, uh, things like the Science Center or um, the Chautauqua Bottoms, like we were doing, uh, spreading gravel and clearing uh, small brush for those walking paths. I, it was a day, um, it was a hot day, 
um, and all of us were doing physical labor, um, but it kind of acted like a crucible and we had a lot of impurities removed, like, you know, when you're melting metal and, mm-hmm. and forging metal. And I'd, I'd like to think that us as a team, especially Tanner and I, uh, we melded together, together, basically, in that, that sense. It's like a little... What is that? A fusion? A fusion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think for me, um, something that really stood out last year when you when you spoke to me was the idea of like storming, norming, and reforming. Yeah, it, 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 there's a bit more, um, but at the time, yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. Yeah, because something that's really um, stood out to me is is your like vision and your level-headedness like when you're in the thick of it or like when you're in the storm so like when you're as if i've got all this like marine time experience but like when you're out at sea you know and you've got these huge swells and you don't know where you're at but you're like okay let me focus on my bearings here and let me keep my wits about me and it's just taking that step back to to think and to move clearly so that your energy is well spent. That's the stuff that keeps projects afloat and the stuff that keeps ships afloat as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you can you can spend all day, you know, checking the riggings and making sure uh, ropes are tied tight, but if you don't take a step back and and look and see, oh, yeah, our heading's that way. Uh, you're going to end up in some random island and not really know where you're at. Yeah. So. And that's why Josh is my first mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So carrying the friendship and bond you guys built from last year, how did you see that come in play this year? Um, did you guys see any stressors that you guys had to tackle together to get past? Um. Uh, I mean, we already know how we work basically in a team environment. So um, when it came to the disaster resilient turbine, uh, we we already knew when we were forming groups in the class at the very beginning, yeah, we're probably gonna work together because you know we already know how to work together. Um, and then just design in general, either one of us will bounce ideas off each other and it's a it's a it's an environment that it enables like positive discourse, ideation basically. Yeah, like, ideation yeah. and it, yeah. it, it adds to the whole to the whole uh, project it does it's not just oh i don't like that i don't think that'll work um it's not just that it's i don't think that'll work because of this and i think we should do this instead but also mix that together you know it's yeah yeah it's going it's going deeper um within an idea and really fleshing it out and i i think like that requires communication it requires taking the time to communicate clearly but below that too it's it's built on upon a foundation of trust you know that you can propose and critique ideas within a constructive environment so where you can find something that is more likely to work, yeah. you know? Yeah. So 
nobody's expecting to get it right the first time. Right. But if we've put through, if we've put in the work and we've iterated upon it enough, it's less likely to fail, right. you know? Something that has um, stood out to me, or I think that's been more defined throughout this year, at least in some cases, I feel like I'm very prone to like vocalize my ideas um, or, or I'll write stuff too. So I, I use like verbal communication a lot to try and get my ideas across. Whereas I feel like Josh is a more um, visual portrayer of, of his designs and his ideas, you know, and a picture is worth a thousand words, you know, there have definitely been instances where him and I have been talking about how to embody a concept, you know, and it's like, I'll, I'll talk about it to Josh and then Josh will come up with something and sketch it down. And it's like, all right, here's, here's the better thing. Or he'll take my, like my four-year-old level sketch on my piece of paper and then he'll, he'll make it into something that like other people can understand, you know, because this, this has been something for me, um, a long time. I honestly, I need to work on it, but I haven't yet. I I'm a really bad sketcher and drawer and I've always been a little, I haven't been like, um, shy about it or whatever, but like it does, it does tick me off. Like to, so where like, so I've had glasses since I was like, like three or something. So, but like before then I've been, I've been told that like, I would draw something like obviously my head is like, Oh, you know, this is the best thing ever. I'm like Picasso here or, or, or whatever, going to take the world by storm with my idea. And then like, and then I, I was farsighted. So then I would like lean back and I would look at it and like, that's not what I drew. That's terrible. <laughs> you know? So, so art, art has never been my thing. I never, I, I didn't get enjoyment out of it. And I never thought that it was useful until I got into like college or something. And then we were talking about, you know, technical drawing and drafting and like communicating your design, design ideas to people. And it's like, you know, I can talk about this for as long as I want, but like, it's not going to get it across like a picture would, you know? So I feel like in those ways, we're able to, to complement one another or where it's like, maybe Josh doesn't want to speak up on something well, I'm going to speak up for him, you know? So there's that back and forth there. Now that's a really good point, especially when it comes to building teams, yep. knowing the type of people you have on a team, knowing what type of skills they are and what kind of character they have. Mm -hmm. If that's going to be someone that's going to back you up. Yeah, exactly. So where do you guys see yourselves in relation to one another in the coming years? Now, ever graduating that's a really good question there is a good question <laughs> i haven't thought about it at all yeah it's um you know i had my vice president for phi theta kappa back at lakeland him and i were i would say we were pretty tight um back back then um and like same with the secretary and us us three got along really well we would hang out like you know while we were all at lakeland and i had him i had him over to my house at least once 
with like, at least I would say for community college, it's a big thing because everybody lives like 30 miles away from one another, you know, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll text him every now and then, like, you know, we'll text back like happy birthday or whatever, but it's, it's, you know, it's pretty base and that's okay because people come and go in different seasons of your life. And so it's no good to say, um, you know, I, I, I wish this would be different, but just be thankful for the time that you had, you know? So, so that's, that's okay. I, I've let people come and go in my life and, and people have done the same to me and that's perfectly fine. Um, there are certainly people though, that I, I put forth the action and the intention to keep around in my life because they make me better people for one thing. And I do think Josh is one of those people. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Like 10 years from now, I'd love to be sitting in a bar, you know, I don't drink sharing a soda and a beer, maybe talking about how, like how the job's doing, you know, how life's going, talking about uh, just the current news and happenings and stuff. That'd be great. Um, I moved around a lot as a kid, a couple of really big moves. And, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from that, but particularly with um, friends and people that you've met and people that you work with. Um, you want to try and keep that, that open line of communication because as soon as one person lets it go, it's just, it's hard to keep that going. So yeah, definitely going to try and keep that communication going. You know, if I, if I end up going to work with, with Tanner where he's working, that'd be great. But, um, you know, just hopefully we'll both still be in the United States, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like Morgan Light might not let me <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, be a stranger, you know, but, you know, so. Sweet. Cool. 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 So one thing I would like to talk about was you guys alluded earlier about the wind turbine way design and manufacturing side. So from what I know, Josh, you're more on the design side, Tanner, you're more on the manufacturing side. Mm-hmm. So connecting that, you guys talked about earlier about that connection and building off one another. Mm-hmm. You guys want to go a bit more technical on that side of the project? Sure. Yeah. You want to start? Yeah. Um, so basically, it starts with 3D modeling the blade or the wing um, in just any any program. And we started to use Cubeblade. And um, our supervisor for that project section uh, had us, a couple of the design people, take different NACA and, you know, different airfoils that were pre-designed from other companies and go into Cubeblade and construct these wings, these, these, uh, these propeller blades and run tests on them to uh, just get data on them and prioritize what we want in that design of the blade. Uh, Tip speed ratio, you got your twist and all that and different cord lengths. And after that, we are supposed to turn that data and that 3D model into a 3D model that can then be 3D printed. And in this case, what we're thinking is a 3D printed mold for the final product. And then that's where 
Tanner comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So once you've got a lot of those design parameters defined and like, this is, you know, the end product that I'm envisioning, then it's going more so to my side of things, which is where, okay, how do we get from, well, how do we get from nothing to that? So how do we first off choose our materials that we want to work with? And then how do we actually get those raw materials into the shape that, that we want? The shaping process is, is the main thing. So I guess really to, I mean, obviously I can talk about this forever, um, but to really summarize with the material selection, we ended up going with carbon fiber is something that we wanted for its strength and stiffness while still being very light. Another ad advantage that I was looking at is that we're able to do a manual wet layup process with that. So to go more in detail on that, if we've got, if we use the shape that's been designed and we create a mold from that, which can be 3D printed, we 3D print that into sections, put together the, that mold, and then we use a carbon fiber wet layup. So we take some epoxy, we brush that onto the mold cavity, put our first layer of carbon fiber weave, dab, dab the epoxy through layer again. When we do that until we've got the whole thing covered, let that cure, then release it from the mold, do finishing. We've got one half of the plate there. Then you can also do, do your, like your top half, and your bottom half in that manner. The big question we're coming to right now and have to address is how do we actually get those top and bottom together? Um, right now, I think our two main candidates are taking your top and bottom, clamping them, then putting a strip of carbon fiber around that and more epoxy to let that cure. And so you, then you finally got your final shape, then you need to sand it down and get that looking nice and, and smooth again. Although then there's also the potential of using foam. So if we take a step back, we've got the mold again. If we put the entire mold top and bottom together, fill that with foam, let that expand to fill the shape, take apart the mold. Then we've got a foam plug or core pattern. Then we can drape and lay carbon fiber over that. Um, kind of like a pinata is, 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 I guess the analogy that keeps popping in my head, yeah. you know? So you're able to let that cure on one side, dry on one side, flip that over, put the epoxy on, and then we've got your blade like that. And the joining problem has been foregone. Granted that that introduces other questions like, you know, can the mold withstand that expansion of foam? Do we need to put some flanges to bolt that down? So a lot of questions to still be finalized and worked out there. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's answering these questions to actually realize those design those designs and each way whether the sandwich approach or just the foam plug idea uh, each one's going to have its own you know, little issues that you solve along the way um and also advantages you know with the the foam idea uh you can put spars in it and that'll provide extra stability on the leading or trailing edge of the of the propeller. The sandwich idea is great because it, you know, it's even less weight, um, assuming that it's strong enough to, to keep shape in, you know, high winds, it'll be 
less weight, so easier to move. So, but yeah, it's all about just balancing advantages and disadvantages. And keeping it dry, trying to keep taking a step back and seeing that like 30,000 foot view and having a holistic approach to it where it's like, how do we make a design to fit our function that is also manufacturable within our means and our tools, you know, and how do we make the product engineering and the manufacturing engineering work hand in hand? That's a huge question in a lot of companies. Yep. So most definitely, I know that there's a lot of conflicting views between the design side, manufacturing, and their overall big picture. Yeah. In general. Yeah. I, I know my first internship back in summer of 2019. Uh, that's my freshman year i was working in a product engineering department and then this last summer i was working in like process engineering manufacturing engineering so yeah see seeing both sides of it it's very it's very very interesting for sure so which side did you feel was easier was easier conceptually i I feel like it's what you put into it, you know, um, because so oddly enough, I actually ended up doing more design work as a, like an assembly process or manufacturing engineer than I did while I was a product engineering intern, you know? So like for the product engineers, I was running tests a lot on um, like O-rings, fasteners um a lot of interfaces and testing them for like stresses to see what they could withstand so and then i would you know like i would run my tests analyze my data send recommendations back to um to to the project engineers there so it was more like material selection kind of finding those answers but with one of the main things i did this last summer as a manufacturing engineer was i developed Basically, I, I made a bracket for this fancy camera that could go on, on this assembly line and fit into a workpiece to like perform an evaluation or a function. So I like I actually had to like come up with the idea and, and 3D print it, work with um, one of the guys at that, biz at that business um, who does a lot of the 3D printing stuff for them, you know. So it's interesting how different and broad either of those disciplines can be. I, I would say it's really dependent upon your company. So, because I, you know, I'm doing all, doing all of that stuff and then where I'll be working at come graduation, it'll be a totally different thing. So it'll be new stuff for me to learn. Sweet. So pivoting back onto the blades and going about the different iterations, did you guys have Couple moments, couple moments where you just began throwing out, out ideas and going back and forth. Can you talk a bit about how those conversations went? You mean like us concerning the blades in particular, or and ideating how to go about maybe putting in the foam versus maybe another idea? Mm -hmm. Most of that happened at the very beginning. Um, I remember sitting both in the green roof lab as well as just in his living room just throwing different ideas back and forth about, you know, how would you manufacture this? How do people make these things in the real world? And from prior knowledge of just making 
um, or watching people make like props and stuff on YouTube. It teaches you a lot. So I brought some ideas to the table and he brought others and it, it they were really good ideas. Um, that's originally how we got to finding out how to make the molds. Mm -hmm. And specifically from uh, those types of molds are used with like fiberglass casting yeah. and making fiberglass um, shells for things, be it helmets or, you know, anything like that. Well, like, like aquatic stuff, I think. Oh, definitely um, aquatic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, sports, sports things. Yep. So. I, so that was, that was a big thing at the beginning is finding out how to do that. Mm. And then from that, um, that mold idea, then you go in with like the carbon fiber. Carbon fiber works pretty similar to fiberglass in that you apply layers and then build on those layers with epoxy and then the sheets of the the, uh, the fabric material. So, okay, yeah, that'll work for what we're trying to do. Um, and then he comes up with the idea the other day of the foam, the foam plug. That also builds off of the mold idea that we had at the beginning. And we start throwing things around like, oh, would the 3D printed mold be strong enough to do the, the foam? And we're, okay, so we're gonna have to build some sort of box or clamping mm -hmm. uh, mechanism to, to keep it equal pressure on all sides of the mold so you, stuff like that that uh we just keep throwing back and forth between each other and mm -hmm. building yeah. an idea it, it's not it's not necessary to have like a some totally new like novel idea like yeah. oh i'm gonna win the nobel prize with this world-changing innovation or whatever but it's it's about how do i take what i know or what i can learn how do i modify that to accomplish what what the team's envisioning you know and and those those ways to innovate are, are you know those steps towards big milestones and big progress yeah no i'm excited to to see how the blades come out from turning out the modes get in it manufactured and then installed coming up real soon hmm. so what are you guys looking forward to in the next month and a half we have here I think for me, I'm really, really excited to see like blades manufactured, installed and, and working. Um, we had a big, and we had a big accomplishment. I mean, was it this last week or uh, the week before with um, the disaster resilient turbine of getting everything put together there and it functioning. And especially, I mean, when, like when you two went out and, and, tested the blades themselves outside. I mean, that, that made me super happy. I love, I love seeing all that work and all that planning, like come to a fruition and like a realization. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to now that I've, I've had some of that with the disaster resilient wind turbine. I want to see that with the, the new green roof turbine as well. Yeah. Anytime you see a brainchild of a team, just, take off and start running on its own it's like you know watching the first astronauts walk around and it's just such a rush and dare i say it, it's addicting oh, yeah. so i i'm just looking forward to more and more of those times where as a team we sit down and we get to see you know the wind turbine spinning either one of the wind turbines trash turbine or you know, the green roof turbine and just sitting back and watching it and say, wow, we really did that. 
Yeah. And then five seconds later, okay, how do we improve on it? Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to wrapping up both projects and seeing, you know, what experiences I gained from it and what I learned um, about other people in the team while doing it. Sweet. So coming up towards the end of today's episode, is there anything you'd like, you guys would like to leave with audience before we head out? Yeah, I would say a, a lot of the things that I've learned, you know, especially from, from Josh and from a lot of different people with Green Roof team is that people communicate in a lot of different ways. And it can be reflective of the strengths they have, um, like as a person or as a designer, as, you know, who, whoever they are, um, you know, whether it's like verbal communication, visual communication, um, and just a, a plethora of variations on all that. So I just encourage everybody to continue to observe and receive more than you you know like like speak out you know we've got we've got two ears we've only got one mouth so appreciate those people around you and the messages you're and the messages they are sending you might not be inclined to communicate in that way but if you're willing to take that step back and observe you can learn so much more yeah, I completely agree. Uh, what I would say is don't be afraid to fail. Uh, a lot of, I know a ton of people say that all the time, but um, recently experiencing um, trying to manually insulate copper wire for the use in uh, electric motors, you know, it might not work. And you might be able to go and buy three pounds of copper wire, 24 gauge, I might add, on Amazon um, and have it get there three days later. You know, that's great, but unless you step back and you sit down with the person that you were doing that with and, you know, you go over what went well, what went wrong and how to fix it, did you really learn anything from that failure? Mm. Uh, So... I think analyzing things, whether it be successful, failure, or somewhere in between, is essential for the design and iteration process. Because <laughs> repeating things over and over and over again, you know, that's, that's just, it's not going to work unless you, you make little changes and you learn from your, your mistakes. We do all this for the successes, to see things work, yeah. and to see our ideas come to fruition but we gain so much more from the failures. Oh yeah. That's, that is where we learn and that is where we grow as people. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And with that, we conclude another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Green Roof Team. Today with our special guests, Tanner Clark and Joss Conlinka. Stay sustainable, folks.